Hi, I'm Sybil. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week, we're finishing our time travel and time loop series and beginning our annual horror rom-com series with a movie that fits into both categories. We'll explore the concept of the multiverse and discuss what our alternate selves might be doing. And we'll talk about our favorite sequels as we cover the sequel to Happy Death Day, the 2019 film Happy Death Day to You. So Sybil, glad to have you back again. Like I've lost track of time completely. Oh no, it was somewhere in time. We we talked it on was somewhere, somewhere in time, time where we where we last were hanging out in time together. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Time is just weird post COVID. Well, I think so. Time is relative, as we're going to be talking soon. Hmm. Yeah, you probably understand more about this movie's the the purported science behind this movie than I do. Yeah. <laughs> The very, I tried. Loose, the very loose science in this movie, but who cares? It's so much fun. So this week we're talking about, as we mentioned, a sequel. We already covered Happy Death Day in episode 22 of the podcast. And so this year we are covering Happy Death Day to you. And yeah, make sure to go back and listen to the Happy Death Day episode if you haven't. We covered so much in that one. And at the time when we covered Happy Death Day, we had both also watched the sequel to prepare for that episode. And I kind of felt that we would eventually cover this sequel, Happy Death Day to You. I'm really excited. I think that this is a fun sequel. You know, I do I do enjoy sequels, but often I'm disappointed by them. You know, you're kind of like, oh, this just doesn't have the same kind of magic. But th- I really enjoyed this one. So I'm excited to be talking about it today. Yeah, like, so you say you're often disappointed by sequels. Are there any other sequels that, like, you've enjoyed over time? Rush Hour. Rush Hour 2, I think, is a really solid, like, second movie. And that's it? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. actually, there's not that many sequels. Like I said, there's not that many sequels. I'm like, oh, this really, like, th- this was, it's a standalone. I think the sequels need to kind of be standalone. Like, you can watch, you can enjoy them. If you've seen the first one, you can enjoy them more, but the sequel should really stand on its own. That's interesting. Cause like, I feel like, I feel like this sequel that we're covering today, Happy Death Day to You would not stand on its own. Well, I'll talk about that a little bit more in the general opinion. I think you pretty much have to have seen the first movie to appreciate it. But um, yeah, I like sequels a lot. I tend to have a lot that I like. Um, I like Scream 2 is the one that comes to mind immediately. And it's interesting because Scream 2 gives me very similar vibes with uh, Happy Death Day, which I think I put it as a double feature with Happy Death Day and with this one. Um, yeah. I, I really like Aliens as a sequel. Okay. And that one I think could be a standalone, like you said. That, it could. I haven't seen that one because that's really scary and I tend not to watch really <laughs> scary things. I li- and Well, yeah, and really scary things tend to have a lot of sequels too. So like, yeah, when we're talking sequels, horror movies as a genre and Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You fit into that genre, horror movies tend to have the most sequels. And I like a lot of horror sequels too. Like I love Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. I think it's the best one in the series. I like a lot of the Friday the 13th sequels, although there are a lot of bad ones in that series too. <laughs> 
yeah, I like when a stranger calls back, which is a sequel to when a stranger calls. Recalls, like, yeah. And I'm talking the original, not the remake. Yeah, not the remake. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So if I think about kind of, kind of horror, so like I said, I don't really watch horror, but you're absolutely right. And it also like creates that, that like that story, that ongoing story, I think in horror. Yeah. Whereas, I think a lot of times, like if you did rom-com or sequels or you do, you know, drama sequels, a lot of time you're not, you're not really creating a longer arc, which is what those movies should be doing. They should be standing alone, but also adding to like the arc of that genre's life. Yeah, there aren't. And, and Happy Death Day is an interesting series because it is it straddles so many genres like horror and rom-com being obviously two of them because we're talking about it. Yeah. But like um, there aren't a ton of rom-com sequels. And I'm trying to I'm trying to think of ones that I actually liked. And other than this one, I don't know. Right. Well, There's Princess I've... Diaries had a sequel, Mamma Mia, which I didn't really like the first Ugh. one. So it's a bad example. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. I didn't really like the second one. What are some True. other like rom-com sequels? Like, I should have prepared this before I came no, in. No, but, but like it, th- that's what I was thinking about when we talked about sequels. I was like, I'm thinking about like rom-coms. I'm thinking about, you know, for me, comedy. And I'm just like, yeah, there's not really. That's why Rush Hour 2 is one of the few. I mean, you could talk about where you have like, you know, the, the uh, Mission Impossible. So I guess some action films have sequels that you're like, okay, this is fine. You know, because you're creating, you're creating this like long life yeah, you know, um, I'm sure people like Fast and the Furious. I don't, but I'm sure people like like those as well. That's why there's so many of them. So I just thought of some more rom-com sequels, though. Um, I was thinking about the Netflix movies. Like, so you've got Kissing Booth has got a few. And um, To All the Boys. To All the Boys, I think, is very effective. And that was a book first. So maybe that's mm-hmm. the strength that it has going for it. I think Kissing Booth was actually a book first, too. But I did not like the sequels to that. I guess, like, being that they're in high school, it kind of makes sense that they would have complications in their love lives that would then come up in the sequels. But maybe the reason we don't see a lot of rom-com sequels is because your options are either to break up the couple or and have some complication, or you get to watch them be happily married. And for some reason, our culture doesn't really have a lot of movies about people being married oh and like think about something like romance in the stone has a sequel jewel of the nile i mean you don't want jack and joan to have like this like bad complicated situation really you just right. wanted to imagine them going off into the sunset on their boat basically right and you're, you're absolutely right i think that was one of the reasons um, i mean a sequel that can work with a rom-com is also they could do like another because that's how romance novels work right so you have another character within that world mm-hmm. who you're mm-hmm. focusing on i just don't think we really do that if we do we make it into a tv show yeah like bridgerton right yeah yeah hmm interesting so I think you already said some things that you've said made a good sequel, like you want to sort of continue the arc, like have something meaningful to say, I guess, about the story or, or maybe build the mythology where you get build the, build the mythology, thing. like to build yeah. it. Need, yeah, it needs to be that arc. It needs to be that the world building, because I love world building. So like I like it in my books. So I love a play, someone who creates a good world for me to, to interact with. And I can imagine all the characters continuing on in life. And so you're, yeah. when you're doing a sequel, you're just giving me more information about how these people are living and continuing on. Yeah. And I think that's part of what makes a strong sequel for me too, is that the sequel connects back to the original in interesting ways. And like, you kind of feel clever and excited because you get references to the past movies, like, and horror movies are so big on that. And really, um, Christopher Landon really tapped into that for this movie, I think. Exactly. exactly. Giving a lot but- of callbacks. But again, if you watch this movie by itself, 
it will stand alone. You're like, I can understand what's happening. You might not enjoy it as fully because you're like, I don't get the inside jokes, but you finish. You're like, I wish I knew those. And you want to go back and watch them. I think the only way anyone could know that for sure is if they watch this one without watching the first one though. I don't know, which I don't think you did. No, but like I can watch this and understand that like I understood everything that was going on and hadn't, you know, I didn't need, I don't think you really need the first. Once again, it creates a bigger, more fabulous universe for these people, but they do a really good job of kind of setting everything up. And it has its own story that does not need to stand on the shoulders of, of its first film. Wow. We can talk more about whether I think that I agree with that in general opinion or not, because like, we're going to get into that territory if we keep going. Totally. So yeah. Okay. So um, before we get started today, uh, just a few notes. So first, unlike most episodes, we are not going to have a spoiler section for this episode because a lot of the twists in this movie occur like right near the beginning of the movie. So if you prefer not to be spoiled, please come back when you've seen both Happy Death Day movies. Which is great because I'm a spoiler and it's always a problem for us because I spoil things in advance. So we'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Rom-Com Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram is at every rom-com and our Twitter handle is every rom-com pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at every Send us feedback at feedback at every And if you like what you hear, please rate review and subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And now we're going to listen to part of the trailer for happy death day to you. Dude. I am tripping right now. I feel like I've totally lived through this day already. Did you have Yes. The day reset when you died, right? Yeah. I might be able to help with that. I died 11 times. I was stuck reliving the same day over and over again until someone wearing a baby mask murdered me on the night of my birthday. Turns out it was my roommate, Lori. I kicked her crazy ass out a window and killed her, which broke the loop. But now I'm living the better version of my life. Okay. No. Okay, you're up. I folded your pants for you. No way. Dude, did you hit that or what? I don't believe this. It's Monday the 18th again. Go. Stop go, global warming. I thought it ended the loop, but I'm back. Oh my god, everything's different. This time, it's coming after all of us. If you don't reset the day and try again, they're dead for good, aren't they? So I'm going to have to die over and over again to save all of you. I mean, I guess you could just reset the day yourself. Genius idea. <laughs> okay, so I have things to say about this trailer. Um, I feel like this is a terrible trailer for this movie. <laughs> I think that it does not set the proper tone for this yes. film at yes. all. But you do absolutely know what is going on. Not really. I mean, there's she's saying this no, time they- it's coming for all of us. Like what? What's coming for all of us? Nothing in this movie is coming for all of us. Like, like it's it's like it's like the expectation it's giving is that like there's the killer's gonna kill everybody, right? I'm just like, what? Like it's try it's still trying to be a slasher, just like the first movie's trailer is still trying to be more of a horror slasher feel when that's not what Christopher Landon's strength is or the actor's strength is. 
true but you so this the the trailer explains everything that's happening in the film so you go in and you're like i know what's happening in this film i know kind that of. there's going to be a repeating of stuff mm-hmm. i understand that we're having what they call deja vu which i'm like dude this is not deja vu yeah i mean my problem with it more though is like the statement like i said at the end where it's like this time it's coming for all of us i'm like what it's not even in the that's not even a sentence that's in the movie and like it's, it has nothing to do with the plot and like I just wish that like Christopher Landon would almost just own the tone. Plus like, okay, let's say somebody had never seen happy death day. Mm -hmm. You've effectively spoiled the first movie in the trailer for the second movie, which you didn't really, you really didn't need to do that. (laughs) Like you could have found a different way. And then like, Somebody's going to watch, if they haven't watched Happy Death Day, they want to go back and watch it. They're going to know who the killer is like immediately. They're going to understand everything that's happening. It's just going to be like, uh, well, you're going to know. know the killer pretty fast anyways, because she you literally did. walked in and it's like, where's my poison cupcake? You knew. I did not know. <laughs> like, no, but like no. in this movie, if you watch, ha- if you watch this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, like, I mean, but, but I'm just saying, like, let's say somebody saw the trailer for this movie and they're like, well, I better see the first movie first. Ah, okay. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just okay. like saying, like, if, if somebody like saw the trailer for this movie and then they made them want to see the first movie, well, they've already been spoiled for the first movie. So I just don't know what they were thinking here. They got the tone wrong. They added some like weird implication that everybody's going to be killed by the killer. I feel like they're still trying to like, they're not embracing what this movie is the marketing department you know what i mean well, i think because the marketing department is like we don't understand what this film is because it says that it's a horror slasher film mm-hmm. but also it doesn't feel like that also this film is in a weird land like what where would you put this film I, it's multi-genre this is like a multi-genre Absolutely, but film. if you have to because hollywood does not understand multi-genre like genre so if you had to put it in one of the genres where do you stick it i mean the second one is more comedy yeah. sci-fi even yeah, I would say the second one has more in common with like a comedy sci-fi than it does with a horror, with a straight horror. Yeah. Is it sci-fi? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, because there's like a device. There's like a yeah. weird device. And they reference like Back to the Future too, like blatantly. Like, yeah. Right? Oh, there's so yeah. much back. There's so many Back to the Future references in this. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. So like, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into, we'll get in depth on the, like the references because Sybil did some great like thinking and digging about that later but like i just i just wanted to say that for, for me for my money even though the trailer is produced well and put together in a nice package i just feel like it really misrepresents the movie and it's one of the poorer ones and i felt the same way about the original happy death day trailer it made it seem like a stupider movie than it was right well once again i think that that is because hollywood did not under or whoever's doing their trailer right somebody over at trailer park was like i don't really know what this film is and they just said it was like horror so i guess I have to make it horror okay yeah yeah, and put it in front of whatever like other like dime a dozen slasher came out that week. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So basic info about this movie. So Happy Death Day to You leaned into its rom com aspects and released on February thirteenth, twenty nineteen, right before Valentine's Day. Um, it Beautiful. was written and directed by Christopher Landon. Last time Christopher Landon was the director and had done some writing, but this time he took the whole project on his own. And it's based on the characters created by Scott Lobdell, who wrote the first movie. And it stars Jessica Roth, Israel Broussard, and Fee Vu. And we've got a few other people who will be in the cast that we'll talk about later. Uh, the basic premise is, in the original Happy Death Day movie, Tree went from being a kind of a selfish sorority girl to falling in love with Carter after repeatedly going through a time loop where she was killed over and over again by the killer in a baby mask. After discovering the killer was her roommate, Lori, and killing Lori, Tree stops the loop and was able to 
get together with Carter, which is super sweet. The movie begins where the first movie left off with Tree and Carter waking up the next day in the dorm room. This time, though, Carter's roommate Ryan is stuck in a time loop and being stalked by the baby mass killer. We discover that the time loop itself has been caused by a machine Ryan was building called Sissy. When Ryan messes with Sissy again, Tree finds herself back in her time loop from the first film, but some things have changed. So some interesting facts about this film. Christopher Landon got the idea for Ryan's device Sissy being the cause of the time loop while he was working on editing the first Happy Death Day. And he decided at that time that it would be funny if Ryan, the roommate, was the cause of all of Tree's time loop troubles. The other central concept he wanted to explore in the sequel was having Tree interact with her dead mother. So that's how he came up with the parallel universes concept for the second movie. And the script for Happy Death Day to You was actually finished by the time Happy Death Day was in theaters. Work on Happy Death Day to You was done very quickly because the two movies are interconnected and the filmmakers wanted the first movie to be fresh in people's minds. And also, since Happy Death Day to You takes place largely on the same day with the same people as the original movie, filming the movie was very challenging, even though there was like a quick turnaround time. So director Christopher Landon described the experience of filming the movie as miserable. And he told the website Metro.us, quote, At the end of shooting this movie, everyone wanted to smash their head against a wall because everything was about trying to recreate something that they saw from the first movie. Every department had to somehow figure that out. It was crazy. For location, we had used a hospital in New Orleans. We wanted to just go back and shoot at the hospital, but they had gutted the hospital. So we had to rebuild it on the inside to make it look exactly the same. And he also talked about um, getting the actors together again. He said, even down to the background actors, Actors that were way into distance. We had to track them, put them in the same clothes, hope they hadn't changed. So there was a lot of luck in this movie. We just got lucky that people didn't decide to lop off all their hair or gain 100 pounds or whatever. So, yeah, I didn't actually try to go back and inspect the commitment to accuracy, but it definitely feels like you're watching scenes from the first movie. Yeah, when you read when you read when I when you read that, I was like. Yes, it actually feels like exactly like the first film. And I think that is because of their commitment to doing that. There's not a time where I'm like, oh, that's not the same. And, you know, that's clearly this was a different film shot at a different time. Also, though, in addition to this commitment to having most things being exactly the same, Landon said he did put some Easter eggs in the sequel's parallel universe scenes where something is slightly different. And one of those Easter eggs, I did not notice this myself. I looked it up in an article um, Carter's Dumpsta Funk t- band t-shirt that Tree wears in the movies. In the new movie, the costume designer Whitney Ann Adams chose a shirt with different writing on the bottom that would like mark the parallel dimension. Like it's like the show is playing at a different venue or something like that. So I don't know who caught that, or maybe they leaked it themselves, but that's pretty amazing. I didn't catch that and I was paying very close attention to the costume. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to look in like the background to look for different posters, but I did not find anything fruitful with that. So maybe there's something though. And like the first film, it was shot primarily in Louisiana at Loyola University. And Happy Death Day to You had about twice the budget of the original at $9 million. But unfortunately, it made about half as much money as the original at $64 million. I mean, still, you're making a big profit there, but it must That's have been true. a bit disappointing. Well, and the, and the real question is, is the reason why it didn't make as much money? Because one, it was a two film. So people were like, I, don't, I didn't see the first one. So I'm not going to go see this one in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And also, 
it's one of those films that it it's hard to describe what the heck's going on. I think they're marketing it partially to the wrong people too. Yeah, I think I they agree. tried to market this to like horror film bros, and this is more of a film that like women would like. I think honestly, I like, agree. And they didn't do their marketing that way. And if they'd mark, if they leaned more into the rom com aspects and the the funny sorority girl aspect, I think they would have gotten way more of an audience. Like I mean, whenever they, I tell people about this movie who haven't seen it, they're surprised. Like you were surprised, I think, I, right? I, I did not want to see this movie because I don't I don't watch horror at all. And I'm like, I'm not watching a slasher film that's really scary. And you're like, it's not scary, Sybil. It's not. It's got some jump scares, <laughs> but it's not scary. It's a it's a, more like a rom com. And I was like, okay, and I've loved them. They're fantastic films. Yeah, like you need to like, yeah, this film was not marketed to the right people. And I still think it's there's a chance for it to have like sort of a resurgence if more people find out about it, who this would be their their wheelhouse. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why we're podcasting on it, because I want people to know about the movies. And there are no concrete updates on whether there will be a third Happy Death Day movie. Um, It had been tentatively titled at one point Happy Death Day to us. But as recently as June of 2022, there was a report that Jason Blum and Christopher Landon were discussing the possibility. So maybe, maybe not. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about our opinion of the movie. And Sybil, I'm going to go ahead and let you start off because you seem like you're really into it. I'm really into it. So I really love this film. I actually like this film more than the first film, which when does that happen in a sequel? Very, very infrequently. But I think that this adds all the things I'm looking for. It has um, a romance that is, you know, kind of triangle-y, which is fun, but it's not like so triangle that you're like, blah, gross. It has, you know, science fiction, which I absolutely adore. And the science doesn't always make sense, but it's fun. Who cares? Just walk, you know, just look at it from sideways and it's fine. All the characters are so like well-developed. Everybody has an arc, which I really appreciate. And I like that you're you're kind of always on your toes about what's going to happen next. Yeah, that's a pretty big statement of support right there. Totally and true. I feel, and I feel kind of bad because I'm going to throw a little cold water over it from my end because like, okay, when I first saw these two movies, I think I felt the same as you did. And I, and I felt like I liked the second one even more. And then when I was like rewatching it, like I rewatched it three times for the episode, right? The sequel. And I also watched the first one once. And like, the more I looked at the sequel, the less it started making sense to me. And like the more I was tuning out during certain sections. Now don't get me wrong. There are sections Mm -hmm. of this movie that I adore. Okay. Like there's very funny. It's funnier than the first movie. Yeah. And the actors are so good. Like the actors in this movie are really great comic actors. And some of them are quite new to acting. And yeah, there are individual scenes and images in this movie that I think are just fabulous. And there's dialogue that I think is fabulous. But for me, the plot as a whole just didn't hold up as well as the first movie. And the stakes didn't hold up as well as the first movie. Like in the first movie, I really like never was questioning anything that was going on plot wise. And the stakes seemed really, you know, important. And so everything felt tense. And even when I go back and rewatch it, even though I know how things turn out, it still felt tense. Mm. And I watched this one. And there's whole action set pieces where I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then there's dramatic set pieces where I was like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And and really it was like for this movie, it was like the comic pieces that kept me interested um, after a few rewatches. So I think there's a lot of great stuff still in this movie. But when we get to kind of like the weird, the science stuff and kind of like the plot holes, like that's going to start showing the parts that I wasn't as big on. But yeah. Yeah, I feel you, but I, yeah, I guess with plot holes, like a movie like this, I just watch it. 
like a popcorn film. Like I'm not, I'm not asking questions because if I ask questions and that's almost any kind of like time travel movie, if you ask too many questions, you know, it's, you'll see behind the curtain and it's not going to work out because nobody really does time travel very well. And I really, I feel you when you say the tension, because there really isn't as much tension. There just, there isn't in this film. The tension is I think a more the romantic comedy of like, you know, will she actually get together with this guy again? What, yeah. what are her choices? But I think for character development, it's incredibly good. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the cast and crew. In our Happy Death Day episode, we already covered uh, producer Jason Blum, writer-director Christopher Landon, and cast members Jessica Roth, Israel Broussard, Fivu, Ruby Modine, and Rachel Matthews. Whew, there's lots of people. For more information on any of these cast and crew members, please listen to every rom-com episode 22, and you should anyways, on Happy Death Day. Yeah, you should anyways. <laughs> and so this episode, we're going to cover a couple of new characters that were added for this sequel. So first, there's the character of Samar, and he's played by Siraj Sharma. So Siraj Sharma has actually been in some pretty high profile projects. He was born and raised in India. And then with no prior acting experience, he was given the uh, main role in 2012's Life of Pi. And other films he's appeared in include Million Dollar Arm, Burn Your Maps, and The Illegal. He's also appeared in the TV series Homeland and God Friended Me. And then in 2022, he's kind of starting to blow up a little bit. He um, began appearing in the new TV show, How I Met Your Father, and he co-starred in the Netflix rom-com Wedding Season, which uh, came out very recently. And he's currently filming a movie called Gulmohar. So yeah, he's getting a little bit more work now. And he plays one of um, Ryan's sort of science lab partner friends in the movie. And then we have Sarah Yarkin, who played Dre first worked in short films and had small roles on TV series starting in 2011. First regular TV role on the series was Foursome in 2017. So that was her first regular gig. Happy Death Day to You was her first feature film. In 2019, also appeared in the zombie rom-com Eat Brains Love. Yes, it's that cute of a name. You should see the preview for this too. It looks bonkers. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I added it to the every rom-com potential future Halloween episode list. That's exciting. She went on to work on the TV shows Single Parents and Motherland, Fort Salem. In 2022, she appeared in three movies, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Tank House, and Not Okay. Currently, she's filming the TV show School Spirits. And then we've got uh, Missy Yeager, who plays Tree's mom. And technically, she sort of appeared in the first film, but only, I think, in like a picture or video that Tree was looking at. So... Missy Yeager's had a pretty long career. Her first IMDb credit is in 1990 in the Babysitter's Club TV series. And she seems to have worked steadily since the mid-90s, but like in smaller roles or projects. She had a regular role on the TV show Boston Public from 2003 to 2004. And she also had recurring roles in the TV shows Six Feet Under, Mad Men, Private Practice, Dirty John, and others. And her other film roles, some of her bigger film roles, include being in eighth grade, and Manchester by the Sea. Most recently, she's appeared in the TV show Heels, and she's in post-production on the movie Martin Eden. And she's also worked as a producer on the projects After the Fall and Friends with Kids. So yeah, shout out to Missy Yeager, one of those like kind of character actors that's in all these films and like doesn't get appreciated often enough. And here playing Tree's mom. 
Totally. Yeah. Um, I actually recognized her from eighth grade, which is a film I love. And she was so good in that role. It's a very small role, but she's fantastic in it. Nice. I don't remember that movie too well, but yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. Missy Yeager was a solid presence in this movie too. Mm-hmm, totally. She makes, she makes the role like of the mom real, very realistic considering you're just dropped in yeah. and you don't really know this mom. Yeah. So now we're going to go right into talking about the movie. And the first thing you notice in a Happy Death Day movie is that the the logos, the opening logo sequence is a little different than your standard movie. So in the first movie, the Universal logo looped, like for the time loop. And in this movie, the Universal logo splits into three different screens, indicating that this movie is going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have the parallel universe. Mm hmm. I think it's so fun. It really like sets I do. me I, up to enjoy I agree. It. I like it. I like, I actually like when any film kind of does that. You know, one of the cool things about Marvel stuff is that, you know, it, it brings in a new Marvel kind of logo every time. And this is that same kind of thing. It's kind of like nudging you being like, hey, you're in for something different. We're in for a fun ride. And in this movie, we begin that this is, okay, and this is another place where I feel like right away in this movie, if you've seen the first movie, this movie is so much better because if you just randomly like you start this movie in this guy's car and this Asian dude's car, Ryan's car, you would be like, whatever. I'm some guy's car. Who cares? But like when you know Ryan from the first movie as like the roommate who always comes barging in, this is hilarious because now you're seeing the other side of the story. So it's just like, it's one of those movies where knowing about the first movie is just going to make your experience so much funnier. Mm -hmm. I think so. We begin in Ryan's car, like with his POV of walking back to the dorm, which he did every day in Happy Death Day, the original. And this time we see from his viewpoint, he gets kicked out by Carter, who is with Tree now. It's the next day um, from the point of view of the first movie. Is this so confusing? Like when I talk about this, I feel like it's so confusing. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is confusing in many ways when you first start watching Uh, it. Once again, just don't stress about it. Just watch it for the ride. So after Ryan gets kicked out of the dorm room, he then goes to a door labeled Quantum Mechanics Lab 1. And he finds out from his lab partners, um, Samar and Dre, that there was a surge of energy at 12.01 a.m. yesterday. And his device, Sissy, decided to fire on its own. And, And then after they finish debriefing about that, the dean, Dean Watson, comes to tell them he's shutting them down. Uh, their machine is causing too many blackouts and problems at the university while not making them any money. So they're out of business. Then Ryan is dejected sitting in the lab and somebody sends him a picture of him, like, like they're stalking him. And so Ryan goes off to try to figure out who this is, gets sent another picture. And then Ryan is murdered by somebody in a baby mask and wakes up in his car again. So we're seeing the same kind of pattern as the first movie, get stalked by a killer in the baby mask, get killed, loop. Totally. So we're in the first loop now. And in this first loop, Ryan tells Tree and Carter what's going on. He's like, oh my God, stuff's happening. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, doing the same day again. And Tree goes, oh my God, I know about this. And then she essentially recaps the first movie, which is incredibly clever. It's very smart. It's organic way to recap the film without being like, let me explain a bunch of stuff to you about what happened to me yesterday, you know? Yeah, and it's well, done with like a like a fun kind of montage too, which Christopher Landon does great montages. It does wonderful montages, absolutely. Ryan decides that nope, nope, this isn't what's happening. He's dreaming. <laughs> He's dreaming because that's not true. So he says, "Of course, I'm still dreaming. It's like Inception. 
It's like a dream within a dream. And he kind of mumbles this to himself. And then he decides that he's going to go lie down in the bed until he wakes up. <laughs> but then his penis gets hit and he wakes up. And he realizes that he was that he's not in a dream at all. This is really happening. His penis doesn't just get hit. Carter hits him in the penis. Yeah. No, I hey, fucking I love this. a little bit of mystery. <laughs> I, I fucking love this part. I fucking love Phoebe's performance here. He's just it's- so funny. Like... <laughs> Also, you can believe that these two were friends and that this would really happen. Like your friend would really do this to you. Yeah. (laughs) So Tree grabs a bat because this is who she is. Like you immediately see, I love this part because you immediately see who she is. She is that badass bitch who's going to go fuck some shit up, right? Yeah. So she grabs a bat to go find Ryan's killer. Now, you always think, you know, maybe Ryan should be doing that, but that's not what, that's not who he is. So... Like Lee, when we were when I was watching this with Lee, Lee's like, "Wait a minute here! Like, she's not going to necessarily reset. Like, shouldn't Ryan be holding the bat? Like, I don't know. Like, I but she's got movie. PTSD about it. She's like, this is what's happening. We're in it because remember her loop just fit. Like, she just yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah. Her loop. She's been dying yeah. and killing people for forever now. She's been doing that for a year, for all we know. Yeah. Well, no, 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 not a year. I don't think it's ever. I think we've established. I think the, the two movies together established like like she hasn't died that many times. But yeah, I think I think you're right that it's a character building moment. So it shows all the characters of who they are. Like I, I, that little bit, bit of like information that you're given actually sets all the characters up, in my opinion. And I love good character setup done in a very nice way without talking. I like the showing instead of telling. I love it. But one thing that OK, one thing that after doing so many time travel and time loop movies in a row that did interest me is that like if I were tree. Right. And then I found out that somebody else was looping and I was in their loop. I would be having all kinds of weird existential thoughts about that. I'd be like, okay, wait a second. Like, am I going to exist if he loops? You know what I mean? Like, am I going to forget everything? I would, I would start freaking out just a little bit on that level because in a time loop, what happens to everybody else? Who's not in that loop? You know what I mean? Who's not resetting? You just keep looping. I guess I would not have that, that question at all. Dear listener, it would, what we would like to know how you, you know, how you would handle finding out that you're in somebody else's time loop. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so they f- they don't find the killer when they go out to look, but the dean comes in. Tree finds out that Ryan's machine has, has been causing the blackout. It's called Sisyphus Quantum Cooling Reactor, which is a very long name, right? And they're trying to prove time can be slowed down on a molecular level. So that's what they're trying to do. And that's, I guess, important if you really care. <laughs> well, yeah. So another there was another podcast who did really care about this. And I'm very grateful that they, they did because... I when I'm watching the movie, I'm always trying to sort of like research something about it so we can tell you a little bit extra about whatever's behind the movie. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be really hard. I don't really understand the science, but I'm gonna try to do it, right? And so I started off with this podcast called Science at the Movies and their episode number 20, which I will put a link to in the show notes. And they are both, um, I think they're both physics uh, PhD students. Maybe by now they're actually professors. I don't know. This was a little while ago. But anyway, they had an episode about Happy Death Day to You. And so I learned a little bit about what this movie is maybe trying to be about. I, and I did a little research on my own as well and found out there's actually is a scientific process called Sisyphus cooling. Okay. And this is a technique for the laser cooling of atoms. And it was first developed in 1989. And it's named after the Greek character Sisyphus, who was doomed to roll a rock up a hill forever, only for the rock to roll back down again. So the myth connection is interesting on several levels, because like not only rolling a rock up a hill and having it roll down is kind of like a time loop in some ways, because you're never really advancing. But also the reason that Sisyphus was punished 
um, made to roll this rock is because he had cheated death. And Tree has also cheated death, you know, many times. So I have to think this naming was on purpose, even though this is actually named after also a real scientific machine. So then um, listening to this podcast, I heard their opinion about this device and the, and the science in the movie overall. This is what they said about Sissy. Quote, there appears to be a few different scientific concepts all rolled into one super not real thing in Sissy. First up, we've got a bit of plasma physics relating to nuclear fusion. Then there's some pseudoscience going on in like a cold fusion idea. They've wrapped it up in some sort form of quantum physics and laser cooling of atoms. And they discussed in the episode the, the, the science of laser cooling. Like I almost understood it when they explained it too. So <laughs> it says that um, the technique is used to slow down atoms so that they can be researched. So it's for research purposes. And the host said, quote, I cannot for the life of me find the connection between slowing down an atom and slowing, slowing down, down time. time. So yes, 100%. That's not, if I had done research into how this machine functioned, I would have been like, I don't understand how cooling anything, slowing down atoms changes time, but you know, okay, whatevs. <laughs> and then as to the machine itself, like the design of it, they said, quote, it looked like an art project that was like about science. End quote. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> but, but it's, who cares? It's fantastic. I mean, it's so big too. Like, I don't think you would even need it to be that big or it'd have to be bigger you know, yeah. one or the other. Also, they're I mean, college students doing this, whatever. How does that happen? I mean, th this is like the whole thing about science in the movies, too. Science in the movies always has to look kind of like impressive, you know, mm -hmm. and interesting, visually interesting, and like to create some kind of effect, you know? To, this is what we've come to expect of science in the movies. So they're just doing their best. And so I was going to try to understand even more of the science in Happy Death Day, but this podcast really convinced me that it wouldn't be very fruitful. And they also said on the on their podcast that people who study quantum mechanics don't even really understand quantum mechanics, a, yes. a viewpoint which was echoed in part of the book Parallel Worlds by Michio Kaku, which I started to read for the podcast. So <laughs> I'm super into quantum mechanics and have been since you, high school. And wow. I have had relationships with a qu number of quantum mechanics people. Really? And because I like big brains, I love them. So one of the things about quantum mechanics that you have to understand is as soon as you think you understand quantum mechanics, it means you don't understand quantum mechanics. There's a whole reason why quantum mechanics doesn't even use numbers. It just uses symbols like hieroglyphs, because it, it's this it's this idea that many physicists for years didn't even believe that quantum quantum existed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're mostly there now where we where people like are like, you know, I do believe in this like multidimensional reality. But when the first quantum mechanics stuff came out, it, it's almost like that idea that by observing it, you change it. And therefore quantum mechanics, it's hard to understand and, and make, make real. And if you've ever, you know, done kind of any quantum looking, you, you'll just sit around being like, I'm confused. And your teacher will be like, yes, congratulations. So do you want to say anything more about what you thought about the science in the movie? Like, or. I mean, I didn't, I, once again, I did not think when I watch these, I do not think heavily about the science in these films because I'm just like, you know, that there's probably nothing really that real in them. <laughs> uh, and, and if you do look too hard, you'll start to unlike the film. And so I've learned to kind of like not dissect science in movies. Cause I'm just like, it's just fine. This is once again, this is a fictional world and I believe yeah. in your fictional science. Yeah. Yeah. If like I, for me, it's like, I 
I do think there are some movies that do it better. I think there's movies that have more consistent rules for their universe. And that would include the first version of this movie because it didn't really try to unpack the how of it, right? Or Groundhog Day doesn't try to unpack the how of it. Um, I think sometimes it's better left like that. (laughs) But um, then you're not having, you're not dealing with the science. I guess not. not, And it's more mystical. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this idea. And and they bring it up in this film where, you know, I, I think it's Carter who looks at tree and is like, are you sad that it doesn't make it some like mystical reason or like, or tree brings up that she thought that it was just, you know, the universe messing with her. And now that it's science, she's like, I'm kind of sad. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about the science in the movie. And again, if you want to hear a podcast that's focused on science at the movies, it is called Science at the Movies. And I will link to it in the show notes and shout out to them for doing some of the legwork so that I didn't drive myself crazy. Totally. Thank you. Thank you to them. You're doing God's work. And to women, too. So it's another women hosted podcast. Fantastic. Okay, so now that they realize what situation they're in and Ryan has accepted that he's not in Inception, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Tree, Carter, and uh, Ryan debrief over lunch with Samar and Dre, Ryan's lab partners. And Danielle shows up from the first movie, played by Rachel Matthews. And I think she was like one of your favorites in the first movie. She was. She absolutely was. And I actually like this section so much. When you learn what's about to happen, I like this because she is so extra in this particular scene, like she's wearing the super low cut shirt and she's like, don't look at my boobs. And like, she can't call, she can't pronounce this guy's name. So she calls him something incredibly racist, samosa, you know, like this, she's so extra, extra that when you see her in a different timeline, that dichotomy is like so obvious. Yeah. And Danielle's like um, trees, like sort of sorority president, I guess is what she was. Yeah. And so yeah, the house president. Absolutely. And, and she, she's kind of notorious for saying insensitive, rude things like from the first movie too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And okay. And then one thing I did notice in this scene that I wanted to point out is tree tells everybody at the table that she died 11 times, but this like, this is weird to me because this directly contradicts a line in the first movie and the first movie, she at one point references dying at least 16 times. So I'm kind of like, what's going on here? Like, I don't this know. Is, Nobody counted that. How many deaths? Nobody remembered that. That seems very odd. Well, she yeah, yeah, she actually says like, "I'm not going to die for. I don't want to die for the 16th time." And that isn't even the last time she dies in the movie. So I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Anyway, there's not internal consistency there, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. So they're trying to make a plan what they're going to do, and they decide they're going to try to keep Ryan from dying and go to a safe place. Which Carter comes up with the safe place, which, (laughs) woo. Is not really great. It is the basketball game and everybody there is wearing the baby masks um, worn by the killer. And we we talk a lot about the baby mask, where that came from in the original, in the first episode, which don't miss that. Um, At the game, what I love, there is a nice callback to the first movie. We Mm -hmm. see Tim, who um, is a character who was not out of the closet as gay, but here he is the very next day after Tree talked to him about it. And he's already out with a hot guy. Go, Tim. Go, Tim. (laughs) Yeah, this is, again, another thing that would mean nothing if you hadn't seen the first movie. So, and then, um, yeah, and then Tree and Carter have that conversation you were referencing where, like, Tree thinks she she had been caught in the time loop for some mystic reason, but in fact, it was just science. This brings up a point, though, like, to me, like, why was Tree stuck in this time loop in the first place from this machine? She she was nowhere near the machine. You know what I mean? It, it it still is kind of random and kind of mystical. The tree is the one in the time loop. 
Well, understand, I think that it's, so I actually think that it's still mystical regardless because this machine went off by itself. Mm -hmm. So that's still mystical. It's not like we're like, oh, well, we were messing with it and we, we had, we had a blow up. No, it goes off by itself. That means whatever universal something or different timeline or person from another galaxy, who even knows they set this machine off and it was the universe and that's why it works on her. Okay. Yeah, that's a better it's enough it's better explanation than the movie gives us. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> and um Tree and Carter are just kind of flirting with each other and they almost kiss, but then an alarm goes off. And this is very clever because fans of the first movie, you want to see these two together, you want to see them kiss, and the movie's not gonna let you see that. And we're gonna have an obstacle now. And right. yeah, now we have like kind of like a, a killer pursuing Ryan scene, which this is one of the scenes that when I rewatched, it was pretty low stakes to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's let's go. But that's also because you you like a know that they're going to win in the end. And B, you've seen you've seen deaths. You've see, seen these deaths over and over again. Imagine if you watch this for the first time. You'd yeah. be like, ooh, OK, we're people are dying. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun the first time. And I and I think the movie actually does have some pretty clever kills in general and interesting set pieces. But the real, though, excitement about this first part of the movie, though, is that Tree successfully defeats the killer and unmasks the killer. And then there's the big reveal. The killer is actually Ryan himself. And we discover that it is Ryan from another dimension trying to kill Himself. Himself, yeah. Which I thought this was hysterical because I love any time where you meet yourself and you're an asshole to yourself. I always imagine if I met myself that I would be like, tell me what's happening. You think you have to kill me? Okay, how come? Explain it to me. All right, so that seems fine. I truly believe we are the same person, so I'm fine with just living somewhere else. It's cool. So you think you'd have a better relationship with your your? I would. I have a better relationship with myself. Also, if like I had to kill myself, I'd be like, that's fine. I mean, I don't really. Like it, yeah, I'm like that's fine because I do believe that we are essentially, even though we're multi-dimensional, mm-hmm. like once that once you die in your dimension, you're in different dimensions. So it's fine. I'm not living a better life than you are. It's fine. Huh. All right. Right. Well, Ryan is not at peace with this at all. And both Ryans are trying to get them to kill the other Ryan. And they don't want to kill either Ryan. So Different Dimensional Ryan tells about why he's there. He said he was trying to close the loop when he was knocked into a different dimension and says, quote, we're all in serious danger. The longer we exist in the same dimension, the worse things will get. And of course, we is referring to him and the other Ryan. And he's saying they have to kill their universe's Ryan because, quote, He's going to create bigger problems if you do not stop him. Kill him now. Okay, and then this brings me to a further question about this, which is like, how does he know the other Ryan's going to cause more problems? Like, is he like actually like from the future? Because it seems more like he's from the future than just from another dimension. Yes, I agree that from this when as soon as he says that, I'm like, so you're a future Ryan. You could even be from this dimension. And this is now a time. This is now a time travel machine as well. Yeah, exactly. And also they've referenced Back to the Future 2 in this movie already. So many times. There's like eight references to it. It's amazing. So it just seems like this is also a time traveling other dimensional Ryan or something like that. And then, okay, and then the biggest problem, though, with this whole sequence is like there's never any consequences in this entire movie from Ryan's dire prediction that like things are going to get worse and there's going to be serious problems. Like unless somehow in the third movie this comes up. Okay, right. They could maybe solve for this in the third movie. Anyway, 
The dimension of the original movies, Ryan, decides he's going to randomly mess with Sissy now, like to somehow deal with this problem. I don't understand how that works. Like, what is that going to accomplish? And then somehow Ryan from the other dimension gets loose. And then he tries to go and break the machine that Ryan's, the other Ryan's messing with. And like, why? Like, why would he try to break the machine? They're not supposed to be in the same dimension, right? Like, that's what he said was going to mess everything up. I just, my head breaks entirely in this scene. Well, understand that OG Ryan is like, I'm just going to send this guy back. Yeah. And that's going to handle the problem. That's yes, like, I that think that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But right. why, why is Ryan the other, in the third? The, the other Ryan, Ryan 2. Okay, yeah. So we have OG Ryan and Ryan 2. Ryan 2 is time and mad. And he, we do not understand anything that he's doing or what he's about. So trying to put like logic on him is like trying to make logic with cats. Well, my cat makes more sense than this particular part of the movie. That's all I'm going to fucking say about that. I mean, this is like an intriguing scene. Like it brings up possibilities, but it brings no resolution whatsoever. 100% true. That is true. Okay. And so while this is all going on, Samar and Dre also come into the room and they see the two Ryans. And it's funny, there's like a little Star Wars reference that Samar and Dre drop when they're coming in, which is kind of interesting. Ryan, OG Ryan's been fucking with the machine and he manages to succeed to get Sissy to, to fire off. And then there's this like slow-mo scene with classical music of Sissy going off with these like blue electrical bolts going everywhere. And everyone in the room is like thrown back in slow motion. I think the Dean's in there too at this point. Yeah, too. the Dean's there. I, I actually love this scene. I think it's so beautiful. It, and I, I love the classical piece that's chosen. And I, I think that this part is so fun. There are little bits of humor in it too. Like Samar's carrying a yoo and he goes to Dre, did you dose my yoo again? When he sees right, the yoo goes flying and you're like, there's, and they go back to the yoo later at the very end. So it's yeah. all, I love this section. So I think that it's really good at like little touches. I just think the whole, the thing as a whole doesn't make it ton of sense. And this is like, we're now at like, I, I looked at the timestamp on the movie and we're at 24 minutes and 17 seconds into the movie. And now we are going to reboot the entire movie story. Essentially, we're going to change gears entirely. And we never and you will audience, you will never find out anything else about alternate dimensional Ryan. You're never going to find out what he was warning about. It's just none of this is going to pay off. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> but you're going to forget. So you don't care because there's enough stuff that's going to be about to go on that you're like, I forgot about that section completely. I didn't, but that's OK. <laughs> we're 24 minutes into the movie and now we're starting basically a new movie because we now are going to wake up with Tree again, and she is back in her time loop. Okay, so before we get into Tree being back in the time loop, and basically the new movie that's going to be the bulk of this movie, what did you, when you first saw this movie, if you can remember, like, did you expect this twist? Like, and, and also, did you think that this was like a good way to write the movie? I did not expect for her to go back into this time loop. I did not expect her to be in a multidimensional time loop where she's not even in her real time loop. She's in a whole new time loop. And then I was like, now I'm super intrigued. And no, I never saw this kind of thing coming. I really thought we were just going to be watching a time loop of somebody else while those surrounding characters like Tree and stuff are, are supporting cast. For yeah, it. were you were you at all disappointed that it wasn't like Ryan's like kind of protagonist movie? Like, I felt like a little bit of disappointment. I, I, I was not disappointed. But then again, like, once again, I'm just here for the ride. So yeah. So now, yeah, like we said, where Tree is back in the time loop and we get all the symbols from the first movie, the clock tower going off, her waking up, her phone going off. She, and she went, as soon as she realizes she's in this loop and Carter's saying the same things to her from the loop, she and she looks at her phone and sees what day is. She is very, very angry. Okay, and I'm going to play now a clip of her like interaction with um, 
Carter and Ryan who have no idea what's going on because it's all new to them again. Ryan, you dumbass! You sent me back! What? It's Monday the 18th! I don't believe this. I just got out. How could you do this to me? Uh, who's this crazy white girl? Maybe it was a bad dream or something. You're right. It is a bad dream. It's a nightmare. This sucks. It sucks the biggest mega balls in the history of shitty ball suckery. Sure? Yes. He just needs to fix this. Now. This is a joke, right? Oh, I wish. Ryan, we need to go to your lab, turn on Sissy, and figure out how to send me back. Uh, how'd you know about Sissy? Oh my god, just. Let's go. I love her in this whole sequence. Yeah. She's great. Well, and I mean, imagine how pissed off you would be if you're yeah. like, I just finally got my life back and now I'm stuck in this life again. What? Yeah. And she has to explain everything all over again. And she's just like, and now she knows what's causing the thing. And she's just like, had it. And I love her screaming into the pillow. And then I love, love, love the scene that follows this where they walk through the quad and you see all trees, regular people, like the global warming sign up girl and like the, the drunk people on the lawn, especially Tim. <laughs> it's like kind of rude, but she goes up to him and she's like, you're gay. <laughs> It's so good. She's just had it with Tim trying to like get her to text him back. She's like, forget about it. She's not going to be gentle about him coming out of the closet anymore. She's just like, no, I'm so done with this. She's not going like, to be gentle about any of her life anymore. She's like, no. I'm done with this shit. I'm the chick who picked up a baseball bat right away and was going to go fuck some shit up. Yeah, this, it's such a good sequence. And yeah, they do the walk through the quad. And then first she wants to go to the sorority house. She wants to take care of Lori right away. She's like, I'm just going to kill Lori right away. Get this over with. Or, or is that the theory? I don't know. Like, I don't I think, think that's she's going to kill her, but I think she's going to confront her so that yeah. she doesn't have to like start dying again. I think at yeah. this point also, she's like so sick of dying. She's like, no, we are done with that. Yeah, yeah. So when we get to the sorority house, though, things start to not be quite the same. So first of all, Danielle isn't waiting to scold her about like uh, being out late the other night. And then she goes into the room and Lori does not have a cupcake with which to kill her, which confuses um, Tree greatly. And also Lori knows Carter. Lori did not know Carter in her original timeline. So we start to have signs that something is a little off. And in the cafeteria, Ryan suggests that she's in a different dimension and references back to the future too, which of course Tree hasn't seen. There's a running joke from the first movie where she's never seen Groundhog Day. Never seen Back to the Future either. Yeah, she's that chick who doesn't watch films. Yeah, she, she would not be co-hosting this podcast, most likely. No, absolutely yeah. not. And, and Tree asks Ryan if there are also two of her. And to which Ryan says, it's almost impossible to create a holographic universe. You're probably stuck in a quantum cyclic dimension. Okay, even after I looked that up, that, that line didn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. And and also it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me why there aren't two of her. Like, did the other her get, like, displaced somewhere? Like, in some other life? Like, what's going on? 
So there is this idea in quantum theory that you cannot be in the same dimension. That as soon as you come in, because you are, what happens is you're creating a whole new dimension around yourself. Mm -hmm. So you're not really taking over somebody else's dimension. You were always meant to be there. And therefore you moved it. You created this dimension around you. So how the hell is Ryan though in the same dimension then? Well, Ryan was already in that dimension. Yeah, but... But Tree was already in that dimension, wasn't she? No. It's very confusing. She, she created, so the this dimension immediately just pops up around her. It doesn't, it had, did not exist until she moved into this alternate timeline. But then and the timeline would, comes about. Why wouldn't Ryan then create, like, I just don't, it seems contradictory to me. Ready, like ready? Ryan. Hello, quantum theory. <laughs> well, anyway, it doesn't make any damn sense to me. That's all I'm going to say about that. So <laughs> Congratulations, you're a quantum physicist now. Okay, and then Ryan explains to her the multiverse concept, and which we'll go into in a minute, because there's another bombshell that's about to drop. Danielle approaches the table. She's like, oh, no. And then Carter and Ryan both know Danielle. And in fact, Carter knows Danielle so well that they kiss each other. And Tree realizes oh, that. And hold hands. And yeah. Ooh, it was very intense. Tree realizes that in this dimension, Carter and Danielle are dating. Dun, dun, dun. And we also get this really hilarious, terrible set piece from Danielle where she's talking about how she's auditioning for the miracle worker and then talks about Anne Frank. And Carter has to explain that that's Helen Keller. And then, and then Danielle <laughs> drops this line. All I know is that acting blind is probably harder than actually being blind. And this is where Danielle is the best character because one it proves that it doesn't matter what multiverse you're in. It doesn't matter what timeline you're functioning in. You are essentially the same person down to your core. Even if life's changes have, have like altered you a little bit, because Danielle is still a, not a nice human being, <laughs> even in this one where she's pretending to be one. She's trying a little harder in this universe, a little harder, but not much. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, I love her character so much. It's the best. <laughs> So yeah, so now that we've brought up the concept of the multiverse, we're going to do like a brief explainer of it. So this is the research I did about like multiverse theory is. So basically multiverse theory is the idea that there may be many other universes, perhaps even an infinity of universes with their own laws of physics and perhaps even other intelligent civilizations. But a lot of this theory is like just really more concentrated on laws of physics and like the inflationary theory that like sort of when the universe was created, everything was expanding. And so there's many other universes. I don't completely understand even that, but it's more concentrated on like, there could be totally different laws governing other universes. Mm -hmm. And and according to live science, one piece of evidence scientists give for the multiverse is the existence of the conditions to support intelligent life, which they say would seem rather improbable if you were just given one random universe. So the multiverse theory is theoretical, obviously theory, <laughs> And while the theory of infinite universes would support there being exact copies of our universe with just a few small differences, multiverse theory, like as it's commonly used, is more often used to consider how other universes could exist with different physical properties rather than like the same people making different choices. You know, like in movies, it's often just like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if like this person's life went a different way? And that's like the multiverse. But in like the scientific theory, that's not really what they're talking about so much. But it does, multiverse theory does come up in the sense of people making different choices, though, when scientists discuss the possibility of time travel. So I put in the show notes an article from The Conversation. And in that article, it's talking about how multiverse theory provides a way for scientists to understand the possibility of time travel 
without there being paradoxes involved. Like, right. yeah, like, like the stuff in Back to the Future, like if you go back in time, you prevent yourself from being born, then how would you go back in time, for example? So right. yeah, the multiverse theory creates a theory where you're actually traveling back to a different timeline and creating multiple histories. And the physicist Michio Kaku called multiverse theory the simplest way to resolve the paradoxes of time travel. I'll link to a video also in the show notes that he did with the YouTube channel Closer to Truth, where he talks about this. And he says, quote, we cannot find any law of physics preventing you from going backwards in time. It seems to be consistent with the known laws of physics. The trick is you have to have the energy on the scale of the star. So he's saying that time travel is definitely theoretically possible, but with our current, you know, technology seems, you know, not something we can really achieve on purpose per se. And yeah, like later in the episode, we'll give some thoughts on like the fun aspect of the multiverse, considering like different choices we could make or our other selves in multiverses. But really the takeaway from this is that multiverse theory isn't really saying that like there's necessarily another universe where we're doing a podcast on a different movie or where you ate a different thing for breakfast. It's, it's more about well, actually, like big so multiverse, changes. Well, but multiverse theory does enca- encapsulate that, the idea that you, that everything, that because if all, if all time is happening at the same time, and that's the thing of time relativity, all time is happening at the same time. It's all happening at once. And so what will happen is every choice you make can absolutely spawn off a new, like a new multiverse. It can absolutely, you can have in, these infinite multiverses with infinite choices that are made. That, but you have to understand that also infinite choices that are made are things like, you know, you know, did an amoeba come out of the ground or whatever and become even like human life. So I think, you know, I think or, we're talking about the like two strands of like even the people who talk about multiverse though, because like I yeah. definitely, I did encounter the thing you're saying right here, but it's like when it's commonly talked about like, in physics, physics, it seems like more people are talking about like what other physical properties could there be? You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I mean, once again, but multiverse does encapsulate the, both ideas, and that's the thing about about when it's a theory is you you can talk about anything. This is like the hardest research in terms of understanding and being able to convey anything that I've done for the podcast so far because I'm not naturally like a science person, much less a theoretical physicist kind of person. So, yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. And I'll put links to the show notes so you can see things for yourself. So we are now in like the part of the movie or, you know, trees loops where she decides to stay in this alternate reality loop. She realizes she's in this alternate reality. She can either decide to leave this alternate reality or she can stay. And she decides that she's going to stay in this alternate reality because of one major piece. She finds out her mother is alive in this dimension. It's a very emotional meeting and I think it's really well done. So she's sitting with her father and, you know, she's like, okay, we're going to start this uncomfortable birthday celebration because that's, we always meet for my birthday. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait, wait, we're waiting for one. And she's like, who are we waiting for? And her mom is just there. Yeah. This was really hit for me because like I was um, around Tree's age when my mom died. Like I was 20 when my mom died. And if I'd been like at 23, like three years after my mom's death and like ended up in an alternate reality and then my mom showed up, it was so fresh that loss at that point. Like I would wake up from dreams where she'd been in them and I would just be like crying over the dream. I like see my mom show up like right in front of me and I'd be able to hug her. I would be exactly like Tree. I would just be grabbing her and just be like, I love you so much. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I, I, I teared up a little bit at this point. Yeah. So. so she's back in the lab and they're firing up Sissy to send Tree home and she just stops him. She runs in and she's like, stop, stop, stop. Don't do this. 
because she's in a universe that her mother is alive in. Yeah. And therefore, maybe she doesn't want to per se leave this universe. Yeah, and go back to the original universe where she's dating Carter. So outside the lab, Tree sees Carter. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that goes on with her here. I think she realizes that like she wants this relationship with him. But at the same time, she has to weigh it against a relationship with her mother again. And you can see that happen as well. Tree watches videos of her mother in this current dimension. And this is where the science for me breaks down a little bit because she has this huge history with her mother that she doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of theory that if you appear in, in a in dimension where you create, you get that knowledge, that knowledge, knowledge is given to you. It would certainly be more convenient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cause you've created this dimension around yourself. So of course you, yeah. under, you know, all the stuff that's going on in this dimension. Okay. But so she's like, I don't remember any of this stuff and she's watching these videos, but she's having all these feels about it. And you know, this is very emotional for her. So, you know, I kind of, we kind of hit on a little bit, but, you know, Jennifer, would you choose to stay in this reality opposed to staying in a reality where maybe you met like your significant other? Well, okay. So like 20 something year old me, like being Tree's age and having freshly lost my mother, I can really understand the appeal of staying in this universe where your mom's alive, right? Like, I think that me might've strongly wanted to be, stay in that reality, Coming from the perspective where I'm at now, you know, like 40 something years old, like an understanding how loss has affected me in my life and made me who I am. And also like, just kind of like thinking about it a little more in depth, like, wait a second, am I taking someone else's place here? Like, what about my other life? What happens to that? Like, I would get like in my head about that. And I'd probably stay with the status quo, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not so much about for me about choosing between the significant other and the mother. It's more about like, what universe is the right place for me to be? And I think the movie explores that too. Yeah, I 100% was saying this universe hmm. uh, because I believe that I, that's where I was supposed to be. If I'm in that universe, I can be in that universe. My mother's alive. I like my, this is my better reality. I've created a better reality for myself. And in that reality, if I, if I'm meant to be with this guy, then I'll be with him because that's how we're supposed to be. And if not, there's somebody else for me and that's fine. Hmm. I would, I see, I would feel really eerie about the missing time, like the missing memories. And like, I would also just, I would be conceptualizing and wondering like, is there this other tree that I kicked out of here? (laughs) I'm feeling where the hell is she? I don't know. So I think I would just maybe just think like that about it. But anyway, yeah. Okay. And we also find out that in this dimension, John Toombs, one of the killers from the first movie is still alive. So Tree assumes that like the plot to kill her is still the same, that like Lori, her roommate has set up John Toombs to kill, come after her and kill her. And then failing that Lori's going to kill her. Tree goes to the hospital in order to confront and kill Lori and Toombs. And she finds out that it's not Lori killing her in this dimension. In fact, Toombs seems to be coming after Lori as well. And they, Lori and Tree are then working together to try to get away from tombs. And they end up in this like random hospital floor that's under construction, which is hilarious because it's such a trope of a horror film. <laughs> like with all like the hanging wires and weird yes, exactly. deserted hallways. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Like at least there's a reason given for it. And, and then in this sequence, it's kind of a good, you know, chase sequence. Like Lori and Tree though are both killed in this sequence. And then of course, Tree is looping again. And Tree stands by her decision that she wants to close the loop and stay in this dimension. She goes and explains all this to all the science lab people and and Carter and finds out that to be able to close the loop, they're going to need to do like lots of calculations, which are going to take days and days, which they don't have because she's looping. And a solution is then presented. Carter says that she should become 
a living record and memorize all these algorithms, equations and stuff. And to me, I'm like, my God, I can't even imagine like memorizing one of those. What about you? Does you look at that? No, I was like, I, this is where I actually, this is where I'm like, that's not really happening. Like, I mean, I, I'm not saying she's stupid because she's not, but I'm definitely saying that there's no way she's memorizing all of this stuff that she doesn't understand. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense because you can memorize things that you understand, but if you don't understand it, you don't comprehend it. Like you can't remember it. And it's like over and over. And it's so much, it's so much stuff that even one number, one forgotten number is going to completely jack it and, up. And it's weird symbols and shit. Yeah. Like I didn't even Quantum. know anything that was going on. Like, I feel like if you were like in Groundhog Day, you could do it like with all the time he had, but right. like, yeah, but like, there's this like thing in the movie that's set up that she has to like die each day, um, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but, um, but so that's making her time less than what he has in Groundhog Day. Given the time you have in Groundhog Day, you could fucking do it. Right. Absolutely. Like, you could memorize anything, learn anything. But with, with what she has, I'm like, she'd have to be doing it all day too. She'd have to do just like reciting it, finding monomic, monomic devices. I don't know what. Anyway. Yeah, like- yeah, there's, there's just, I, this is where I was like, mm, I have to suspend my disbelief on this. <laughs> she can write down as much as she wants. She's not understanding this or getting it. Okay. And then Tree makes an assumption right away that she is going to be pursued by this killer every day, which like she has no real basis to make that assumption at this point, in my opinion. And then Samara says, well, why don't you just kill her yourself instead? Which also makes no sense to me. Why is it better for her to kill herself than like maybe hope that the killer doesn't get around to killing her until later in the day? Like none of this made sense to me. Okay. And in the end, really, like if you look at what the, what's going on in this dimension, there's no reason tree has to die at all. Like, and what would happen if she didn't, would she just like wake up the next day and be healthy? Would it be in the loop still? Would the loop even happen? I don't know. What do you think? I think that you are correct. Where, so like, once again, this is where everything kind of broke down a little bit more for me. I, I was like, uh, I don't think Tree has to die. Um, we <laughs> yeah. don't. She. I mean, we've as, already ascertained that this is a different reality. Yeah. So we, she, the killer could be after somebody else completely. Like, and the killer is after that. somebody else completely. The yeah. After Lori. I like, but I mean, you're stupid and young, so you're just making up things. And sciencey people told you stuff, so you just believe them, I guess. Um, and they're talking out of their asses, so that's fine. And I think that she would have just woken up and continued to live this life. Do you think it would have looped or she would have like... No, um, she would have just lived. She would have lived like the reg- like regular days yeah, until okay. he died and then she'd go back and loop. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it, it, this part made no sense, but it did lead to one of the most amusing montages I've ever seen in any movie, which is a montage of Tree memorizing science, watching Carter and Danielle interact with dismay and killing herself in creative ways. So despite the fact that I don't think this was actually motivated by the reality of the story, you don't notice because it's so fucking fun watching Tree do all these suicides. Like, it, I know that sounds weird, but it was. It was fucking fun. No, the, the, this, I have to say that this is probably one of the, the more interesting pieces of the film. And I think, once again, it's a fun montage. They're just fun montage sequences, and they should be dark and nasty, but they're fun. Yeah, like Christopher Landon talked about this too with Collider.com. He said, you know, it's a very challenging montage because A, we call it the reset montage because she's not actually dying. It's not suicide because she can't die. It was really important for us to make the way that she was dying that they felt a bit ridiculous and cartoonish. I wanted them to be humorous. I didn't want them to feel like real situations because I think that that I never wanted anyone to feel like we were making fun of suicide because that's not the case. 
And I, I feel like he pulled it off. I think it's I like do too. Yeah, yeah. similar to like in Groundhog Day. It's like, and even it's even lighter than in Groundhog Day. And he's got the song in the background, Hard Times by Paramore, which I've had in my head constantly. Okay. It's a real catchy song. And man, he makes the best fucking montages. And Sybil, you noticed something else interesting about the montage, like that there were perhaps some foam references in it. Yeah, so I so I asked Jennifer about this because I was like, this is just a feeling that I have. I mean, some of them are 100% backed up. But I believe that every single one of the deaths that she experiences in this particular film has some kind of background or homage to another film, whether it's Heather's, we have, I think, Final Destination. Uh, I do believe that there's there's one from Labyrinth. There, there are just, there's these feelings to them. The Crow, there are these feelings to them. And all of these movies that it's kind of referencing are iconic films. And they're films that have like clocks and time and masks and death in- included in them. Like that yeah. surrounds them. Yeah. Can you go through a few of like the suicide examples and like what movies they're from? Like from Okay. The, from so of montage? course you have Groundhog's Day. She's in a bathtub with electrocution. So you have that, but there's also like this feel of that when she wakes up, she has this giant hair um, where there's like, that's a very weird science kind of moment. So that whole filming was done kind of like weird science where like, there's all this electric, like there's all this electricity and then the hair is really big. And that's like an iconic scene from, from weird science. Um, And then you have Heather's with the Drano. And if you pay attention before she's drinking the Drano, she's, she's drinking a blue slushy. And that is a hundred percent from Heather's. I feel crazy that I didn't pick that up because like I talked about Heather's in so much fucking depth. I feel like I should have noticed that, but it just like (laughs) missed it completely. I did catch the one. I did catch the Fargo reference where she jumps into the wood chipper like in Fargo. So Right. And it has all the Fargo. She's wearing all the Fargo colors as as she's running in. Also, if you paid attention, the wood chipper is from as a Back to the Future reference because it says Biff's wood chipper on it. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, there's the skydiving episode. This is where I like I went a little crazy and I was like, I have to talk to Jen about this. I might be wrong, but like I believe that her skydiving is about point break. One, she's wearing a bikini, which is all about like swimming, which mm-hmm. is what point break is about surfing and skydiving. Okay. Yeah. Um also she jumps out the plane, it, she's literally in the same posture as Swayze is as he jumps out the plane hmm. for, in in point break. And it's like this Jesus Christ figure. Then you have like the clock and the clock is the clock tower from back to the future kind of, as well as it's literally looks like the scene from the crow where the crow is standing there in his like face mask, essentially his like painted on face mask. And he's standing like with electricity and lightning and stuff coming out, preparing to like go out and create havoc and death. Right. Yeah. And then the falling that there's the, the, she falls into the bed, which we've talked about, like feels like labyrinth, but we can't really find that reference, but it feels so much like that. Yeah. When you said it was like labyrinth it immediately said, Oh yeah, it totally is. And I imagined a scene in labyrinth, but I think I imagined a scene that doesn't technically exist in one piece, but yeah, it does have aspects and labyrinth has always got that clock too. That's always like, yeah, it's all the clocks and stuff are going on. And then the final one that I saw that I noticed is um, when she, when she, she shoots at, so she's she's in the hospital and she winds up shooting so that the killer and her both die. Mm-hmm. Um, you see you see a flash of like of fire in her eye at the very end. That is from Final Destination. One of them. I don't know which one, but it's from one of the Final Destinations. That's like a that's like a shot. 
Yeah, there's so many references in this movie, and I really thank you for like pointing them out because while I was like so focused on like the discrepancies and the in the plot and like the time and the multiverse and trying to get my head around all this shit, I somehow totally missed all this stuff that should have been obvious. So thank you for we're, really we're, digging into that. You were just having different kinds of fun. <laughs> I think you were having more fun. <laughs> I was definitely having lots and lots of fun with this. There is one more Back to the Future that I caught, which is if you pay attention when Tree wakes up in the room in the alternate timeline, Back to the Future poster is in the background. Oh, nice. I did not see that either. Wow. Yeah, they're they're probably like, I think that there are eight that I caught as I was going through them, but I didn't write them all down. But those are the ones that I was like, these are like the really obvious besides them just talking about Back to the Future. Yeah. So I, I love this montage. Like I would, I would have to say this is a morbid question, but did you have a favorite one of her like little suicides that she had? I in mean, I'm pretty sequence? sure we're all going to like when she jumps out of the plane and gives like a yeah. finger to everyone as she dies. She's flipping off the camera, like breaking the fourth wall. And it's, it's incredible. You're like, okay, I'm here for oh, this. Oh, that's it right. No because sense. at the end of her jumping out of the plane, she lands right in front of Danielle and Carter who are making out. And that's like the whole point of her jumping out of the plane in the first place. She wants to land right in front of them. And disgust them because she doesn't like them being together. Right? And like watch my dead body explode on the sidewalk. And it's interesting. That scene, they didn't originally shoot for the original. They were waiting to see if they could get the budget for it. So that was like the last suicide that was like actually added to this montage. It wasn't always going to be in there. And it really is the capper on the scene. And also the, the song that they chose, The Hard Times, has a line in it a repeated line that says when I hit the ground and I believe it's actually playing when she hits just as she hits the ground absolutely it's a fucking masterful montage and 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 the other thing I love from this montage she's wearing this sweatshirt this cute sweatshirt that says fml on it and Jessica Roth plays with that the costuming and her situation so well she just has such humorous expressions and like you really root for her I agree this is probably one of the most fun montages that I that I've watched like yeah. you can watch it over and over again and just really enjoy it. Yeah, I can like watch it like separate from the rest of the movie and just really enjoy it. Yeah, and just be like, yeah, I'm grooving to this montage. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's a, just a bunch of death, but it doesn't take itself seriously, which is yeah. you, you can appreciate. Yeah, so exactly. I don't think I would have planned any of those deaths because they all seem horrible. And, I know. And I know. You ha- she, she knows that she takes on the injuries yes. from these deaths. Yes. The wood chipper especially disturbed me on that level. I'm like, if she's like, like in the previous movie and in this one too, you'll see that the doctor says you should be dead with all these internal injuries. What would go into a fucking wood chipper duty? <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm no, saying? Like there's definitely, there's definitely part where I was just like, I don't think these are any of the deaths that I would have chosen. Yeah. Like if I, a, I have to live through them and B, um, I remember them, right? I have memory yeah. of them. Yeah. And also my body has physical memory of them, which also makes no sense. Yes. Um, when you're talking about any multiverse crap but she chooses them and they do make it a fantastic montage yeah like if you if you were really like taking this seriously that you were afraid of doing physical damage to your body like first i would try not to get killed in the first place and second if i did kill myself it would probably be something like more like electrocution seems like maybe you know people have even survived it right maybe that right. would be okay or like take some sleeping pills or like I don't know. Like, um, strategically, so seem like a good idea. Your butt, your liver would eventually just like tox them out. It'd be fine. Yeah, something, something that's like not a wood chipper or drain. I couldn't even make myself drink Drano. I'm sorry. I don't know how anybody could make themselves do that. No, me neither. Most of these deaths, I don't know how you run head first into a chipper. There's just no way. But once again, that's what had me really like being like, you know, that these are homages to stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's why they're chosen. Yeah, and it's just silly, and it's not, like, meant to be taken too seriously. But, like, if you were taking it seriously, no. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, uh-uh, no way, mm 
Yeah. So, so like we said, um, yeah, Tree gets physical effects from this and she ends up sort of fainting and Carter has to take her to the hospital. There's a similar scene in the first movie, like almost identical. Carter takes her to the hospital and Gregory, the doctor, shows up. In this reality, in the last reality, she and Gregory, the doctor, were having sex. He was also her professor for some reason, which we talked about in the first movie. And, <laughs> we did. But in this reality, Gregory does not know her at all. And But then still at this hospital, Tree once again faces the killer and like you said, ends up killing herself and the killer with the flammable gas, like, and with yeah. the final destination reference. Yeah, totally. Okay. So now like we come to a scene where the team finally finds the right algorithm. Thanks to trees, amazing memory of these algorithms and tree. You see tree writing out all these complicated equations on the board and the team's like all in awe of her. And then when they're like, this is the only one that it could be, they start like celebrating and jumping up and down. And I love Samar's line here. Why are we so excited? We barely know her. <laughs> it, it is good. I do like how there are little like digs here and there about like, I can't, like, I can't believe this is actually happening. And how is this our reality right now? Yeah. Yeah. And so Tree has firmly decided she wants the reality with her mom, but they find out they can't operate Sissy right away to close the loop because there is a computer virus. Carter and then and Tree have a conversation about, aren't people going to die tonight? Like, what are you going to do about that? And she's like, you can't save everybody. And in the same conversation, Tree also tells Carter that they were together in the other dimension, but that in that dimension, her mom was dead. And then I really like the exchange they have here. Tree says, I can't lose her again. You already did. And none of this is real if it erases that. You're just living someone else's life that doesn't belong to you. Your pain, that loss, that's what makes you, you. Yeah, I mean, that really resonates for me. That's like, like I said, that's the reason I would not choose to live in the parallel dimension because... I've thought about like how much my mom's death like made me me today. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't even know who I would be without it. Yeah. I don't know. Now, do you think if Carter had said that to you, your 20 year old self, you would have been like, <sighs> Oh, I feel you, sir. I don't know. I don't know. I'm unsure, but yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, I understand. Cause like when he gives delivers this line, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if she has them. I mean, I understand that she does have emotional maturity cause she's lived a lot of deaths. But at the same time, like, I don't know if she would have really made this choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. And she doesn't make the choice at that point. She tells, she goes to see her parents and she tells them that they need to get as far away from campus as possible. Okay. But this is hilarious to me later because she's seen her parents like at lunch. Right. And they're supposed to get as far away from campus as possible. And then later that night, they're like driving by the Bayfield Power substation, right? So like right. what? Like like six hours later, they're like 30 minutes outside of town. Yeah, she's like, maybe you should get on a plane to Italy, folks. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh when I thought about it. Um, anyway, they get to like um, a hotel room that is right near the Bayfield Power substation, which is like telegraphed pretty heavily to you when you're watching the movie. And in the hotel room, Tree's talking to her mom and asks her mom, what would she do if she had to choose between her dad and someone else she loved? And uh, okay. And while I appreciate Missy Yeager's performance and I appreciate Jessica Roth's performance here, I do think the dialogue in, the, in these sections with her and her mom is not that great because the mom's just giving this like vague advice that like magically applies to her situation, but like doesn't seem like what a mom would actually say if you asked her this. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? I get you. I get you. 
Also, her mom doesn't ask her like, "This is a weird. This is a weird thing to be yeah, talking about." Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Are you thinking about suicide? Like, what's going on right now? Yeah, like it's a it's a weird. It's like not a very organic conversation. It's just sort of meant to get tree to her realizations. Like the mom, like she also asked her mom, like, "How did you know Dad was the one?" And she said she didn't. She said, I took a chance. I followed my heart. And she calls love a leap of faith. And this comes up later in the movie. So it's basically just having, getting them to have conversations that Tree will later reference. Right. And then the TV is also magically on to a news report about people being killed at the hospital. And Tree sees that Carter has been killed at the hospital. And she's like, oh, shit. She, they're about to like close the loop. And she's like, nope, this cannot happen. She tries to call Ryan, doesn't get a hold of him. So instead... She gets the idea that she's going to drive this like compact car through the gates of the electrical substation and like crash into some random part of the substation. And somehow this successfully causes the power to go off in the entire area. Which this this section is weird to me because wouldn't if she just killed herself right now, wouldn't it just reset the loop? Yeah, that too. That so that, that's, that's where I was like, I don't understand because like literally you could just be like, and I'm going to die. And they're set, the, the loop is reset. Yep. Yep. yep okay so this works i guess the power goes off good for tree and she also dies for some reason in this car crash with a substation i don't know it's a thing in the next loop though tree has decided probably by the because of the shock of carter's death that she is in fact going to go back to her original loop is that the impression you got that it was yeah i get the impression like she feels she's like you know what after knowing that carter's gonna die in this reality i would rather go back to my other reality and also she's having all these feels about the fact that like this person who like knows her mom isn't really her she's living somebody else's life like she has none of these memories she you know she she doesn't have this life experience with her mom so she's not the person who should be yeah. in this life, which is what you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this. Yeah. So Tree decides she's going to go back to her original reality, and but she needs to say goodbye to her mom first. So they can't fire up Sissy right away. And so now we have um, an emotional scene between Tree and her mother. I really want you to know how much I love you. Oh, I love you too, sweetie. No, mom, I'm serious. You know, people say I love you all the time, but it's not until you can't say it to that person's face anymore that you really realize how much you mean it. You are so beautiful and so amazing. And I just hope I can become half of the woman that you are one day. (laughs) Are you kidding? I'm the woman I am because I had you. You know, I never really told anyone this before, but when I was pregnant with you, I was scared shitless. (laughs) No. But then, the moment I held you, something inside of me changed. Instantly. The best kind of love does that. It changes you. It makes you a better person. I really thought I could have it all, but I can't. Honey, nobody can. But guess what? That's okay. You'll get what you need. I hope so. 
Yeah, that scene made me tear up too when I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, well played, well played. Lots of feels in that, lots of them. So yeah, Tree says her goodbye to her mom. And um, after that, do you want to say more about that scene or should we keep going? No, I mean, I think it's, I think that that scene is very emotional and I like it there. You know, like you, you definitely, and you doesn't feel like she's getting, like, she, like Tree is finally getting the closure that yeah. she's needed for all these years. Yeah. Yeah. I would like give a lot for that. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, closure is important. So Tree then also goes on to try to encourage Lori to stop seeing Gregory because in this multiverse, Lori is the one having the affair with Gregory. Mm-hmm. And then she goes and finds Danielle and she wants to, she initially is going to apologize to Danielle, but then she finds out that Danielle's cheating on Carter with Nick, who in the first movie is somebody that Tree had like made out with or something. And he says, welcome to the pleasure dome and does the ridiculous totally. dance scene. And this is one of the reasons why I think this movie is so much more enriched if you've seen the first one. And even especially if you've seen the first one right before you watch the second one, because then you're like, oh, my God, it's Pleasure Dome guy. And you just like watch this hilarious scene with him getting killed. And it's amazing. And so, yeah, I think they're they're a package deal for me. Yeah. Once again, you will enjoy them more, but you can it stands alone. So it's fine. But you of course, that's how a sequel should work. It should be that you like it more because you've seen the first one. I, yeah, yeah, I, I still disagree with you that it stands alone, but like, I feel like it is one of the se- better sequels for callbacks. And I love, mm-hmm. I love this callback. With I Nick love that callback up. too. Um, I because like the Pleasure Dome scene is so hysterical. It's just so funny. <laughs> okay, so then she, she goes back to they're going to power up Sissy, and the Dean shows up like a day early. And like, my question here is like, why, how, what's going on, other than convenience to this plot? I don't I think the Dean just has a psychic connection with Sissy <laughs> and he just does not want to, he has his own agenda. If the Dean, if the Dean had his own movie, he has his own agenda, why he doesn't want Sissy to be fired up. And yeah. Has to with, like he's living in a timeline. He's not supposed to be in himself. Uh, that would be good. I would, I would watch the Dean's movie with his obsession with cats. I would, I would watch it. Totally. Yeah. No, he's fascinating. Yeah. And then um, Tree, like, then they say, well, why doesn't Tree just reset? She says she can't reset anymore because she might die for real this time. So instead they plan a heist. (laughs) the, the, The centerpiece of this heist is Danielle. Tree calls up Danielle and says that she has to be the one to distract the Dean. And so Danielle uses this, like, acting blind thing she's been doing to prepare for this role. But then she combines it for some reason with an outrageous French, fake French accent. So I know we just played a clip, but I I need to play another clip of um, Danielle's distraction of the Dean while they try to steal back Sissy. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mention like the Dean steals Sissy. They need to go steal back Sissy. And so Danielle's going to be their um, distraction. So here's a little clip of that. Can I help you? Oh, pardon. I appear to be uh, very last. Roger Bronson, I'm the... Of the school. Oh, bonjour. My name is uh, Amélie Liepier. Oh, you must be with the exchange program. Ah, oh, oui, oui. Monsieur, may I know your face? I'm sorry? Oh, my. Oh, oh my. Mm-hmm. What strong features. Well, thank you. <laughs> you must be French. Your hand smells like cheese. I don't eat cheese. I am uh, a lactose intolerant. Oh, 
Quel dommage. Quel cachet. Trying to do like <laughs> that whole scene is so freaking funny. I love well done slapstick, anyways. And when she hits him with the cane, and then yeah, yeah. Yells, later- I don't think you're supposed to use a cane. Yeah, like later in the scene, like yeah, it gets way slapsticky. She's like fall, like rolling around in a tapestry, hitting him with the cane. Yeah, amazing. And I don't usually like slapstick, honestly. I don't usually like. I no, I. I don't really love slap, but well done. It's just so brilliant. It's, this one's so well done. The choreography is great. Yeah, and they're both such funny comic actors. They are just, like, brilliant. Yeah, I feel like Rachel Matthews, who actually Happy Death Day was her first film role, and she's, like, Christopher Landon's niece, so it's kind of like nepotism, but, like, I don't care because she's amazing, and she's so good in this. She's my favorite character in this. Like, I love her. I, told, I mean, I think I said that from the first one. Yeah. She's by far my favorite character. I love her. And it's perhaps because she's so over the top in like everything she does. But we all know this person. We all know this person. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is like this scene. Like, I feel like if it didn't work, it would be such a stupid scene and I would hate it. But it works like so well. And I, it's, it's one of my it becomes one of my favorite scenes because I laugh every time I watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I really like the Dean's weird cat obsession and the fact that he's watching Jackson Galaxy's My Cat from Hell when she comes in. <laughs> um, I'm here for Dean's movie whenever they decide they want to do the Dean's film. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. So after they, they've got Sissy, they're going to get ready to fire it up again. And Tree goes to now also stop the killer because she's, you know, she's taking Carter's advice and she's trying to like, you know, be a good person or whatever. And like to summarize this whole scene, we find out that Gregory is the killer in this universe. And the motive is that like his wife found out he was having an affair with Lori, but they think they've sort of succeeded. They're holding a gun on Gregory, but then we come to find out Gregory's wife is also another killer. So, and then she's pointing a gun at them and shoots, shoots Lori and like trees down. And like, it seems like they're doomed and etc. So what I like about this section is that when, if you did watch the first movie, you really believe that Gregory was the killer so much. Like you're like, <laughs> Gregory is the killer. If you did not catch the fact that Lori was, which I did, you're like, Gregory is the killer. They yeah. set it up because he's, he's super creepy and weird and he has all the motive that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that then in this reality, you're like, oh, well, of course Gregory is the killer. Okay. Yeah, and just Tree has gotten herself involved. Like, she never had to be killed in the first place, but that's okay. And just when it looks like they're down and they're going to be defeated, Carter shows up and ends up distracting Gregory, but he doesn't get killed. He shows up and gives Tree a chance to escape. She escapes to an MRI room that is turned off at the moment. Gregory's in there, he's about to shoot her, and then she distracts him for a moment long enough to turn on the MRI machine, and his gun is magnetized towards the machine. Right. And and like he can't shoot her. And then she's holding a screwdriver and she lets go of it and it kills him, which is beautiful death scene. Like it's really original. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that the death scene is fun. It's original. You're like, here, you're like here for it. You're like, yeah. And you're ready for Gregory to die. You're like, yeah, <laughs> die. You never liked him in the first movie. Either. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he's gone right on. So if you're watching this, you know, the second movie by itself, you're like, well, I don't really know much about Gregory, but okay, he's about to die a horrible death. But if you've watched the first, you're like, yeah, Gregory died. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, then you're, um, here, you're here for his death. Yeah, not me, not quite as much as you. You really took a dislike to him, I remember. 
Yeah, yeah, I was mad about him. I didn't. It wasn't that, but but it's such a greatly done scene. And then I had to look this up because I'm me. I looked up, and people have actually been killed in MRI accidents, like involving the the magnetism. So in um, 2001, a young boy in New York died when an oxygen tank was pulled towards the machine and crushed his head. And again in 2018, another oxygen tank killed a man in India when the oxygen tank was damaged and it, he inhaled the liquid oxygen. So two cases of MRI deaths involving oxygen canisters. I was about to say, so you got to watch those oxygen canisters, man. Yeah. And just like, just be careful in the MRI room, I guess. Yeah. And apparently I'm always careful in the MRI room. The MRIs creep me out. I've had too many of them and they're always creepy. Well, I don't mean to creep you out more, but apparently like I also read another article that said if you turned an MRI up high enough, you could kill somebody just with the machine. So there's like all kinds of like dangers. So Mm -hmm. careful. Yeah. Don't try this at home. (laughs) Anyway. So we come back to Lori and she has survived. Lee pointed this out. There's a scene where Lori has survived, but there's like these people with a hospital bed that are like running past her. Like, who are they going to get? Gregory? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, what's the bigger emergency than your coworker who got shot in the gut that's like lying right there? They had other any other agenda and they were on a mission. So they had to go places. Yeah, I don't know. It was very weird. Anyway, like, but then Lori does get rescued. And yeah. And then Carter and Tree see each other and come together. And like, they end up kissing also in this dimension. Like, as the timeline, as Sissy is successfully resetting, you see them kissing. And there's also back at the lab, there's this dramatic sequence where um, Samar and Dre have to like, keep the Dean and the security guards out so they can fire up Sissy. It's like a whole set piece. I don't know how you feel about this kiss, but I think this is one of the hottest kisses I've seen. It's so, really? it's so awesome. I didn't really get hot from it. I was happy that they kissed, but I, it didn't feel hot. But but oh, I'm glad it was working that well for you. Yeah. I, I was like, I think this is such a hot, hot, because it's like super slow motion. It's super slow motion. The lighting is really pretty. It's a culmination of like emotions right here. I was like, I'm like, this is a really hot kiss. Yeah. It's real hot. Well, I do ship them. I think they're a great, like, movie couple so i do too they have a great and they have great chemistry period they're just they're fun together so tree comes back to her reality um she ends up lying on the floor in this physics lab i guess firing it in this alternate dimension threw her back to when it had been fired in the previous dimension yeah well i guess i think it's like the loop closes and she actually Mm -hmm. never left like because everything's the same so like the dude's yoohoo is now missing because he blew he flew it it flew out and i think she just just appears back as if she was never gone so like okay yeah weird Weird. yeah i think we just close she just comes back and it's like she never left so in that reality they're just really dealing with the aftermath of the two ryan's showing up that's correct (laughs) which which by the way they don't really talk about ever again (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's not weird I mean, it's not weird at all and but, the other ryan's but, apparently missing yeah yeah so it closed him back too I, uh, yeah, I think he gets thrown back to his original timeline as well yeah so i guess fair play okay okay and um tree just verified she's in the correct reality by saying danielle to carter and carter says who and she's satisfied by this but but she could still be in some other weird reality you know anyway you but never she's know not. she's in a, yeah. she's in the right place and then we have, like, you need to stick around for the credits for this movie because there is a mid credit sequence, which is hilarious. Um, we see the whole group picking up garbage, wearing orange vests because they're in trouble for, like, breaking into the lab and using Sissy when they're not supposed to. 
And DARPA comes and asks them to come with them to talk about CISI. DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Um, they develop technology for the military on behalf of the Defense Department. I did not know that. I just knew that it must be some government organization. <laughs> you, so are you laughing at me because I didn't know this? Yes. Why? I mean, Why? if you, like, every, I, I thought everybody knew what DARPA was, but okay. You're like an X-Files fan, man. You know all this kind also, of Also, like, it, it comes up in Lost. Like, it comes up in, yeah. so if you watch Lost at all, DARPA's in that. I mean, pretty much any any kind of, like, science fiction film that deals with, like, like defense stuff, DARPA comes up in. I've just, like, never looked into, like, what it stood for. So I finally looked into it. I'm like, okay, that's what it actually means. Okay. Anyway, DARPA wants to test Sissy on someone. They want to have test subjects. And... This would never happen, of course. This is just hilarious, though. But, like, Tree imagines, like, that Danielle would be the perfect person. And then we see Danielle waking up screaming in bed. It's unclear to me whether this is supposed to be just Tree imagining this happening or if they're actually going to test this on Danielle. Well, the other thing is, what has Danielle done, really, to deserve (laughs) being thrown into a loop? I mean... All all she's done is be bitchy, basically. Yeah, all she's done is be her, like, a mean girl self, right? That's that's all. So, like, I was just like, well, poor Danielle. Aw. Well, maybe she'll grow from her experience the way Tree did. Or maybe the way that a dude in Groundhog's Day did. So, yeah. yeah. You know. But um, I don't think she would be an ideal test subject. Probably like, Tarpa would probably want somebody who actually like could give them useful information. <laughs> right. You know, like a military person who's been yeah. prepared for this. Yeah. So, so, but Christopher Landon told Insider at one point about the sequel, quote, I have a third movie in my head and it's very much connected to the tag at the end of this movie referring to Happy Death Day to you. It expands the world in a significant way. So at least at that point, when Christopher Landon gave that interview, his sequel that he has in mind is related to this tag. And like, what do you think about that? Would you want to see the the third movie that's somehow related to DARPA and like, you know, sort of wider no. implications? No, I want to see one where it's just continue. Because also like, I don't want to see Danielle in a loop. So if it's going to be Danielle, she like, I don't want to see her in a loop. I would much rather see the pieces that were in this film that like maybe didn't, you know, completely cohese. Like I want to watch Ryan's film. I want to watch, I want to watch the cohesion of other pieces that are kind of been left out is like what I feel like if you had a third movie could be Easter eggs. Mm. And I don't think that movie with a DARPA is going to, is going to do it. Also it's putting too much science in it when this movie does not, as you know, have great science. Yeah. It's not the strength of the movie. It's really not like, I think the strength is the heart and the characters and the goofiness. And like, I agree that it would make a lot of sense to bring the Ryan story back, like to find out what are the bad things that are going to happen. And you could connect that to DARPA, I guess. Like maybe the fact that like this whole thing leads to DARPA finding out about this machine, you know, is then going to cause some kind of problem with the reality or something that they're going to have to resolve. I guess you could make a connection there. Yeah, you there. could. You could. Like, suddenly it becomes, like, a, a time travel machine because, like, they got DARPA got other people working on it as well, like scientists that are actually brainy. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Like, it could be something like that. When I originally, before I thought about this tag being involved in a third movie, though, I I'd sort of conceived the, the title Happy Death Day to Us sort of suggested to me that, like, maybe Tree and Carter would be, like, years later and they'd be, like, about to get married and then they'd have some like terrible thing like with a time loop or this machine or something come up mm-hmm. w- during the preparation for their wedding, which I think would be hilarious to combine that would a wedding, be hilarious. A wedding would, movie with yeah. a time loop or something. That would be fun. I could I could watch that. I could definitely watch that film. That would be a great film. Also, that they're lo- I would love it if they were looping together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like us would imply. Yeah. Right. That they're looping together. So that would that would be fun where we have 
more than one person looping. We have them together looping and dealing with stuff. What if like evil Ryan who wanted to kill everybody shows up to their wedding and poisons the cake or something? (laughs) Maybe that would be great. Also like it would be interesting if like, if it's their wedding, but maybe they've been having trouble in their relationship or something. And this allows them the, the, the going back and redoing things over and over again, allows them to patch up what problems they might be having. That's another possibility. The thing I would not want to see as much is like, I like the slasher element to it, but even Mm -hmm. in this film, we have less and less slasher because we're moving away from that like slasher element. Like I felt that the slasher element in this was actually just an afterthought to connect to that first movie. Okay. Actually I would want slasher. Okay. Like I would want slasher. Okay. You're, You're actually making me think like, it's the wedding. They're preparing for the wedding. And it's like almost like a slasher who done it again situation. And like Danielle's there and like, she has a reason to have a grudge and Ryan's there, but is it the regular Ryan or is it the Ryan from the other dimension? And then there there's a backstory where they were involved with DARPA, but then they got shut out. Is the government trying to kill them to like get rid of people who have the last remaining information. And so like they're trying to get married, but they keep getting killed, but then they keep looping because Ryan's there with sissy with a prototype of sissy that he made. Okay. Like he made another prototype of sissy that he's keeping secret from DARPA and he's made it. And so he helps them loop so that they don't have to die on their wedding or something. I don't know. I'm, That's, I'm just spitballing this right yeah. now. Also, whatever the sissy is now fits in his pocket. So that Oh, fits yes. Fits, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I yeah, love yeah. this. I love this. Yeah. I'm into this. I'm into this. Yeah. Okay. That works. I, and that, I would give DARPA also... a reason to, that would give DARPA a reason to come after them too, because they have another machine and they don't want right, to. Right. They have another machine it. and it's, hmm. it's potentially better than theirs. And who knows? So we already talked a lot about how this movie has kind of like inconsistent rules and like not everything makes sense, but I'm going to put in the show notes. There's another article that kind of outlines this from Phil Owen in the rap. And I think it's like super worth reading. And he points out, especially that like the great thing about the original happy death day was it kept things simple. He says, quote, there was no explanation for the time loop, which is fine. The reason for the loop simply didn't matter as the mechanics of it were intentionally de-emphasized. The whole thing was just a fun twist on the slasher genre. Happy Death Day to You, on the other hand, actually does explain the time loop and throws in parallel universes for good measure, but it doesn't really set any rules or operate with consistency around its newly central sci-fi concept. And and then he says, and that's a problem because once you try to explain something, you have to go all the way. So, I mean, you've said you kind of disagree. You don't really care. And like, honestly, but I understand people who do. It's fine. And for all practical purposes, I didn't care that much, especially the first time I watched the movie, I didn't even notice. But like, yeah, once once you think about it a little too much, you're like, mm. same thing happened with About Time when I was thinking about that one. I was like, mm. so, so yeah. But if you want to read a little criticism about the inconsistencies and like read about that a little more, there's a good article for you. Yeah. And then finally, let's we're going to talk about. Did the did the multiverse characters and motivations seem to make sense to you in this movie? Like Danielle and Carter dating, for example, or Gregory being I think Gregory being the killer clearly makes sense to you. Yes. Um I'm I am okay because like in, in the grand scheme of things, anything is really possible with people. I see a world where Danielle and Carter could hundred percent be dating because I'll understand that Danielle she like if you paid attention she's only dating him really because he's smart and he helps her do things yeah so she's still the person she's always been she's just like oh he can help me get through school and carter's like this chick is hot also she helps my clout so i just don't know how they met like really like where i mean they could have met at a party somewhere i mean once again this is an alternate reality they could have met at a party they could have just met on campus they could have had a class together like 
yeah. you know, who cares? I, I believe that I believe once again, that most of this was possible yeah. as for the characters, because like in alternate reality, almost anything is possible. Daniel and Carter dating. I didn't quite buy just cause I think Carter's a little deeper than that. Like, I don't know how long he would put up with that shit. I mean, he was like probably sexually naive. I think we get the idea, but so, so maybe that would be attractive to have just a woman at all, but like, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, how long were they dating? Yeah, I don't know that either. So right, they, yeah. could, they could have been like hooking up for the last six weeks. And he's now just kind of being like, I don't know if you're the right person for me. Yeah, yeah. And clearly he's interested in Tree pretty much right away when he meets her in all these different loops too. So right. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that really, <laughs> the, everybody using the baby mask to be a killer though. That's the one part, the sticking point for me that doesn't make sense in the multiverse is like everything else is so different, but everyone's still using the baby mask to kill people. I guess True. it's just that creepy. So then uh, one quick question for you. If there is if there's a multiverse Sybil out there, like what do you think some of your multiverse Sybils are up to these days? So I do believe that there are multiverse Sybils and I think that some of them are living way better lives than I am. Um, I think that my multiverse Sybil is um, a cult leader. I have wait, wait, what kind of cult leader? What kind of cult is she leading? Um, I'm, it doesn't matter. Just something. Okay. Just a cult. It didn't okay. matter. Like, it's not like I have a purpose. It was just like, I want to, I want to create a cult. So I will. And okay, so I do. Okay. I probably, I mean, I have probably one where I'm living on the street. Cause I've been like poor enough to eat out of trash cans before, you know, and maybe like low enough in my life that I didn't like, you know, f- somebody didn't help me or I didn't find my way out of that. You know, I mean, I th- the idea that there's a multiverse for us, that there are infinite possibilities, you can have infinite possibilities of where your life could be. And some of them are just small. Like maybe there's a multiverse where I just, I'm, I'm still blonde because I was blonde when I was younger, you know, because it can be small details. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was trying to think of it, I was thinking about like little pivot points in my life. And I was thinking about like, what would the multiverse be? Like, for example, if my mom had never died. Mm-hmm. And I think like... um I don't know. I think potentially in a weird way, I think I might've actually been worse off in that multiverse. Cause like I was sort of being enabled to be depressed and stay at home and be cared for a lot by my parents. So I think maybe I would have like not moved out or individuated enough if my mom had been alive. So I think that's one multiverse. Um, at the same time though, I got very morbid after my mom died. So maybe I'd be happier. Who knows? I think there's probably a multiverse where I never met my first boyfriend and I stayed on this like very scholarly nerdy track and eventually ended up like um, I never started taking the pill, which kind of started my depression cycle. And then maybe I'm a congresswoman. okay? but maybe I wouldn't be super happy as a congresswoman. So but that's a possible multiverse. Uh, There's probably a multiverse where Lee and I didn't stay together and I ended up being a film professor in Portland. So all kinds of weird things could have happened. So I think about those things, like different choices, that type of yeah. multiverse. Very sliding, very sliding doors. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is not the way, like I said, the multiverse is usually thought of per se, but like, like that's kind of how I conceive it. Like I thought about those pivot points in my life that could have made a huge difference in some mm-hmm. way or another. And that just reminded me of another double feature. I'm going to add, I'm going to add a double feature <laughs> because right of on. the conversation we just had. Are we there? Are we at double feature time, which is my favorite part of the show? I, th- I think we are there. Do you want to lead us off with one of your double yeah, features? So, so um, one of mine is Edge of Tomorrow, which for some people is also known as Live, Die, Repeat. And that has an entire story that you could have like a whole podcast about itself. But that is a Tom Cruise movie. And I like it because it is about like reliving the same day over and over again until you can get it right. Yeah. Fantastic action movie. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Um, Final Destination, the first one, has, I felt, the same kind of, like, 
feel to it at times as this one did for the horror section because like final destination it's all about like how many deaths can we get in there and and what exciting interesting ways can people die yeah yeah you know, it had less plot and more just like fun deaths yay <laughs> and then scream just because you know what we're still slashing and it's funny and any of the scream films like you mentioned too but like any of the scream films have the same kind of like tongue-in-cheekness to them that i think this one really has yeah, the reason I like, I, I think Scream 2, I think of Scream 2 is just because it's set at a university also. So you've got like mm-hmm. slightly older characters with like similar like settings. Yeah, like, no, I like all of those, the great double features. So the first one I'm going to recommend with a bit of a caveat, okay? Like, so preparing for this episode, I watched a few more um, Jessica Roth performances. And I was really excited by this one because it said, here's a movie where Jessica Roth is in like a parallel universe. And I'm like, oh my God, how fucking perfect is that? So I go and I like bought it on Amazon or something, right? Like rented it and I get to the end of the movie and it didn't resolve itself. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then I come to find out it is actually a TV pilot that never got picked up that they just then repackaged as a movie. (laughs) Oh my God. That's brilliant. I love, I love you, Hollywood. You're the best. And it is so fucking frustrating because it's like a really good story jessica roth is in it constance Wu is also in it and like playing a major role and i'm just like i want to know what happens next like this is so intriguing this could all these different things could happen and i was beginning to feel like at the end like why what why haven't they gotten to like you know the the point yet why haven't they gotten to the end of the movie yet how are we going to resolve all this we have very little time left yes exactly and then i'm like holy fuck when i looked it up i'm like seriously you just did this to me and i'm like and also why didn't you pick the show up because it would have been fucking fantastic it would have been it would it's like a really good pilot episode so yeah i think it's still worth watching if you like just enjoy theorizing about parallel universes if you want to see jessica roth and constance Wu, who are both great actresses like in some one of their earlier projects it's from 2015 but like seriously a little pissed that i didn't know about it going in that it was not going to resolve my second choice is all my life from 2020 which is another jessica roth romance and like when I saw sort of the um, trailer and everything for this, I thought that like Jessica Roth might not be used very well. I thought it might just be kind of sappy, but she in fact is very good in this movie. She appears in it with uh, Harry Shum Jr. And it's based on a true story about a couple where one of the members of the couple has a diagnosis with a fatal disease, but they're still going to go through with their wedding. And it's really, it has like really funny moments and mm. beautiful moments and sad moments and like, Jessica Roth is allowed to be her sassy, wonderful self in it. I mean, not quite as much as Tree, but like, but still like recognizably very cool person. So I thought it was a really good romance. And I think at some point we'll cover it on the podcast. My third recommendation is going to be Wedding Season that is on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie from 2022. And I'm recommending it because it stars Siraj Sharma, who plays Samar in this movie. And I just like would like to highlight, you know, some of his work that's been interesting that he's started to do. And he's starting to get some good roles. And this movie, it's a, just like a cute, like Netflix rom-com. I think it's one of their better ones. It's got some Bollywood elements in it. And like, I had a fun time watching it. So it's not, it's nothing like going to change your life per se, but it's a fun movie. Right on. I'm down and, okay. and final bonus one from Jennifer. So, okay. So my final choice, I was thinking about this when we were talking about our multiverse lives and I'm like, why didn't I think about this in the first place is everything everywhere all at once, which uh, came out this year, of course, starring starring Michelle Yeoh and, and also uh, Kehi Kwan and so good, like um, really makes you think about like who you could be 
in different universes, like how your life could play out in different ways and very moving, meaningful movie. So um, everything, everywhere, all at once goes a few places that are a little deeper, but you know, it's also fun at times and ridiculous at times. Anyway, there's, there's our double feature recommendations and um, coming up on the podcast, we're going to be talking about some more horror rom-coms. Sybil and I are going to talk about the love witch And then we're going to have David Rosen from the Piecing It Together podcast on to talk with us about the not fantastic, but interesting movie, Once Bitten. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, Sybil, it's been a delight as always talking with you about another movie. And yeah. Always a pleasure, Jen. I love coming on and and hanging out. And this one was a particularly fun one because I would never have watched this movie without you telling me to do so. So um, until next time. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.